Come on, if you love Jesus, lift up a shout of praise. And if you love Jesus, stay on your feet for just one minute and help me welcome all of our locations, one church with a thousand locations. Welcome to Red Rocks. We are a church. We are a church full of imperfect people pursuing a perfect God. And you don't got to believe what we believe to belong. But make no mistake, we believe that Jesus is the answer that you're looking for. That there is only one solution to the broken human heart. And this unquenchable thirst that every human being has to feel unconditionally loved and accepted and a part of something bigger than themselves. There is only one one light the darkness of this world cannot overcome. Only one answer for everything going on in your life and in our world right now. There is only one thing that can awaken the human soul and one access point into abundant life. And it is not a religion. It is not a concept. It is a person. And his name is Jesus Christ. And he really did walk the face of this planet 2,000 years ago. And he really was God with skin and bone on. And he really did live a perfect life and die as a perfect sacrifice at the perfect moment to perfect some very imperfect people. And like we just sang, with one word, a hundred billion failures really did disappear and melt away. Because his body really was put into the ground, but three days later, he really did walk out of his tomb, and 500, 500 eyewitnesses really did hang out with him right after that happened. His best friends really did die for this, and his church really has become the most unstoppable force that history has recorded. And now the baton has been passed to us which means it is no accident you are alive in 2020. And I believe no coincidence you're watching this message. And so welcome home. Holy Spirit, would you join us? God, I know that you're everywhere. But I also know you love to be invited. So hear it from us. We know we need you. But more than that, we want you so bad. Have your way. Be made famous. Be glorified. Fill this room. Fill every room. Fill every heart. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen. amen. You guys can take a seat. It's a good day because we are kicking off a brand new series called Echoes of Eden. Anybody excited for this? Me too. At Red Rocks Church, we take the Bible incredibly seriously. Who brought their Bible here? Let me see. All right, this is good. Genuine leather covers, anybody? There's one. Corey, way to go. We got one. Jess, there we go. We got two. That's not bad. Ronnie, I know you have one. You just forgot it. It's amazing. It's amazing. Well, if you have your Bibles, if not, grab your phones, go to the Bible app. We take the Bible very seriously, which means we read it the way it deserves to be read and wants to be read as the inspired word of God. Hear me out. The beginning of Genesis is not a science textbook. It is something much better, something much bigger. It is a story that answers life's biggest questions, the questions our souls long to understand. And today, we are asking this question. 
Why on earth are we here? I don't know if you've ever asked that. God, what, what am I doing here? What's the point of all this? Why on earth am I here? I believe the answer is found in the echoes of Eden. So let's go to Eden. Back to the very beginning. You don't even need the table of contents. Page one of your Bible. Genesis 1.1. We're going to read a lot of scripture. So clear your schedules. Oh, they're already clear? Perfect. Genesis 1.1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep. And the spirit of God was hovering over the waters. And God said, let there be light. I wish I had Mufasa's voice to read that, but mine will have to do. Let there be light. And there was light, and God saw that the light was good. And this is important. God creates by speaking, and then he calls his creation good. The reason that's significant is the fact that Luke 6.45 says the mouth speaks from the overflow of the heart. So if you want to know who you really are, pay attention to the things you say. The very first thing God wants us to know about his substance is revealed in the word he chooses to use to, this, to describe the creation he just spoke into existence. He uses the word good. And that's awesome because he could have picked any religious word, holy, perfect, but God, your father, the first thing he wants you to know about his substance is he is good. And he separated the light from the darkness, and God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. And there was evening and there was morning the first day. And if you keep reading, you're going to see a pattern of God continuing to say, let there be, let there be stars and the sun, let there be mountains and an ocean, let there be animals and plants. And then all of a sudden, in verse 26, it's just going to shift. And he's going to go from let there be to let us make. Now, this is a classic writer's trick. The repetition is there for a reason. It's there for a reason so that the sudden change becomes a spotlight that says, pay attention, everything up to this point has been leading to this moment. This is the grand finale. Then God said, let us make mankind. In our image, that's the Imago Dei, in our likeness, so they may rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky, over the livestock, all the wild animals, and all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them, male and female, he created them. God blessed them. That's the first thing he does. He blesses them and says to them, be fruitful an increase in number. Yes, sir. Fill the earth and subdue it. God saw all he had made, and it was what? Very good. That's what God thinks when he looks at you. He sees you and goes, nailed it. I want you to hear that today. You were created good two chapters before you became infected with the bad. Eden is echoing forward to you your true substance and identity. And there was evening and there was morning, the sixth day. So why on earth are we here? I saw three answers in that text. So note takers, get ready. Here we go. Number one, why on earth are we here? We are the makers of the future. 
the makers of the future. Let's go back to verse one. Pay attention to the fifth word. In the beginning, God created. So the very first thing we learn about God is what? He's, he's creative. He's a creative creator who created you in his likeness, which means you and me, we are creative creators. Every human being, and I know this is a big statement, but I'll cite my source. It's the Bible. Every human being is born creatively brilliant. It's just a lot of us ignore it because we can't draw good. All right? My little brother Ryan has the worst fine motor skills like, it's not even a joke. Like, I know five-year-olds with better handwriting than my brother, okay? Like, he probably couldn't even draw a square and a triangle to make a house for you, okay? So he just always assumed, yeah, I'm not creative. But if you know Ryan, you know that's absolutely not true because put a laptop and a Word doc in front of him, he could write you a book in a week. And I'm serious. In 1999, boy bands took over the world, and thank God they did. The BSB, I pray I don't have to tell you, that's the Backstreet Boys, released an album called Millennium, wearing white jumpsuits featuring songs like Larger Than Life. Who am I preaching to right now? I want it that way. Show me the meaning of being lonely. Banana, Spanish guitar. Banana, da-da. I'm not going to do the whole thing, but I could, and that's the point. We can auto-tune that in post, Tyler. You never know who's watching these. The BSB, Savage Garden, 98 degrees, boys to men, everybody crushing it, but really, everybody's competing for second place. Who am I referring to right now? NSYNC released a song that year called God Must Have Spent a Little More Time on You. Ever heard of it? Kind of blew up. NSYNC inspired me, my brother Ryan, and our childhood friend Matt to begin our own boy band. This was the beginning of the Alley Boys. You heard me right, which is remarkably unoriginal and very similar sounding to the Backstreet Boys, okay? The Alley Boys lasted all of one Friday, at, Friday afternoon after school. We went back to Matt's house, and we spent two hours trying to write our first smash hit single. And we quit after two hours. And we got back together, and I'll never forget, Matt said this. He, he goes, guys, I, I, I know why we couldn't write a smash single. It's not because we're 10 it's not because we have no experience and no musical inclination and we've only been at this for two hours. It's not any of those things. I, qu I quote him. He says, it's because all the good songs have already been written. All the good songs have already been written. But you and I know that's not true because Justin Bieber was five at the time and had different plans. <laughs> This Red Rocks worship team was my age at the time and had different plans, and thank God they did. But I think, that's a, I think that's a very common mindset. All the good ideas have already been thought of. Utopia, the best years are somewhere behind us. But church, what if the greatest worship songs are waiting to be written? What if the best businesses haven't been started yet? What if the most effective method for doing church and reaching the world is waiting right now to be discovered? 
You see, I know more about God now than I did when I was 10. I now know that every human being is creatively made in the image of a creative God who sat over a formless void of nothingness and saw what could be and then made it happen. And I know if you can, if you can put surround sound into your living room, and configure it so that the speakers and the sound converge on the sweet spot of the couch just right. If you can landscape a backyard, if you're a teacher and you can make complicated stuff simple, if you're a leader who can do a a Zoom meeting in a way where your people don't fall asleep, (laughs) yeah. (laughs) if you're a parent who can arrange a nap schedule, or, or potty train, or decorate a house, I'm going to say this again, you are a creative genius. You really are. This is creativity. And by the way, it is the opposite heart of criticism. Both creativity and criticism see what is, but only creativity sees what could be and then goes and makes it happen. And I want you to notice no other part of creation can do that. My dog Luna is not creating her tomorrow right now. Human beings make futures. Have you ever thought about the fact that you can imagine a life you don't have yet? You can can think up a world that has not yet been realized. You were created to create. And this is the cultural mandate. The Bible begins in Genesis in a garden, an untapped, untamed, teeming with potential garden. And then the Bible finishes in Revelation in a city, which implies the garden was not static, but rather dynamic, not a finished product, but a work in progress. And you and I right now find ourselves somewhere in between the two with a mandate from God to partner with him in taking the world forward. Ed Young calls creativity consistent inconsistency. This is what romance is, by the way. I'm an expert, so that wasn't a joke, but thanks for laughing. Consistent inconsistency. And so when, when Sam and I were dating, I was a creative genius, man. Like I was coming up with brand new dates and ideas every single week, but, but like, I'll be honest with you, since we've gotten married, most of our dates are lazy repeats of a lot of those. And I'm comfortable to say that because I know I am not alone. This is a very, this is a tale as old as time for married men. Thank you, Mrs. Potts, right? I got married, so I will retire my romance creative jersey and hang it from the rafters in my man cave and then wonder why I feel bored and stuck in my marriage, right? Husbands, wives, dads, mothers, listen to me. I know you see what is, but do you see what your marriage could be? Do you see what your family could be? Be the maker of a new future. God put that in you. I told God recently, I can't wait for things to go back to normal. And he said, oh, you mean when you were anxious and burnt out and exhausted? Is that what what you're talking about? I feel like he's keeping us from going back to something. In so many ways, we have a blank canvas right now. We are the makers of a new future, church. We are the creators of the new normal. People ask all the time, I wonder what God's going to do next, but an equally good and valid question is the one God's asking. I wonder what my co-creators are going to do next. Why on earth are you here? You are the makers of the future. Amen? 
That's number one. Number two, we are the advocates of the Imago Dei. Genesis 1, 26 through 27. Then God said, let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness. That's a big deal. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. We are the Salem Elohim. That's Hebrew for the image of God. This is the great democratizing of all humanity, that every human being, every race, gender, socioeconomic status is made in his likeness, and that's a big deal. It means you should have a deeply rooted and profound respect for you. As his masterpiece, like, you ought to be careful how you talk to you. God would never talk to you or treat you the way you sometimes talk to you and treat you. And you should have a deeply rooted and profound respect for people because even those people you talk bad about and don't like, they might get on your nerves, I'll give you that, but they are the Salem Elohim, just like you. Man, I'm a huge fan of dogs and and dolphins. I love animals. I had every zoo book, Ronnie, growing up, every zoo book. And animals are a precious product of God's creativity and brilliance given to us to steward and care for. But only the human being is made in the image of God. God said, let there be animals. He said, let us make mankind. An amazing status that, by the way, comes with amazing responsibility. It means the primary job of the church is something called reconciliation. Amen? Reconciling people with their creator, but also reconciling people with each other. And this is why racism is a kingdom issue before it's a political topic. Amen? Because every human being is royally made in the image of God. Jesus did not call us to be peacekeepers. Jesus called us to be peacemakers, to engage and enter into the mess and break down barriers and build bridges and be willing to disturb the quote-unquote peace when something needs to be changed so that moving forward, peace can dance with its divine dance partner called justice, which only happens when every single one of God's children is acknowledged and advocated for. So growing up, my best friend, James Walker, was African-American. And in sixth grade, I remember, like it was yesterday, this conversation we had at recess. Like down to what we were wearing. I had on my number five Jalen Rose Pacers jersey. James was wearing his number eight Kobe Bryant jersey. Kobe was a rookie that year. James just got it for his birthday. We were playing basketball. And then all of a sudden, James confided in me. And he told me he was afraid of one of the teachers. The teacher had said some, some stuff to him, was giving him scary looks, and man, in my 11-year-old innocent ignorance, I, I told him it was in his head. I thought it was. I didn't know. I said, bro, that's history, dude. That's remember the Titans. That's stuff in movies. There's no way that's still a thing. Well, fast forward 20 years, I'm less ignorant. I know James's experience on that playground was different than mine. 
In fact, I know over the past two decades, his experience on a lot of life's playgrounds has been very different than mine. It's not my fault, it's not his fault, but it is his fight, and now it's mine too. Why? Because that's what advocates do. That's all James wanted. Give me an advocate. He'd have done the exact same thing for me. That's what sons and daughters of the creator do. Why? Because that's what God did for us. Our fight became his fight. And it cost him everything. And he called it love, which is not a feeling, but an action word. Like, thank God, God did more than just feel for me. He came and got me, man. Because I'm an image bearer. Sex trafficking is an Imago Dei issue. It causes humans to see other humans as something less than the image of God. I have another memory. Walking through a red light district in India, walking into this little house to pray for this woman who had been a sex slave her entire life. And I I reached out to put my hand on her shoulder to pray for her. Caught me by surprise, but she shuddered and started like trembling and started crying. And I realized in that moment, the only other time in her entire life a man has touched her has been to sexually assault her. Like you understand, she needs an advocate of the royal blood in her veins, right? This is the woman caught in adultery in John chapter eight, go read it. Jesus stood in the gap. He was a voice for the voiceless, stood in the gap between this woman and an angry, self-righteous mob of Pharisees holding rocks, and he acknowledged the royal blood in the veins of this woman. All that story is, is an Imago Dei story. Pornography is an Imago Dei issue. Like, we have to get real and acknowledge the fact that screens in 2020 have this weird effect and weird way of making us feel like human beings are, are, are a little less than. Like, especially on social media, those people, when you sit back and, and snipe and pop off to people because you, you disagree with them and you type things in a tone you would never use face-to-face. And I'll, like, they might be wrong. I'll give that to you. And there is a time and space to stand up for what you believe in 100%. That is another sermon for another day. But as a Christian, as a son or daughter of the Salem Elohim, it is also our responsibility to enter into that arena remembering that this person, right or wrong, is still a son or daughter of God. Still a son. Guys, we got Christians going around quoting Jesus without the tone Jesus said it in. And I'm, a, I'm an American who loves his First Amendment, trust me. It is my right. But being Jesus is my calling. And by the way, he spent most of his life laying down practically every right that he had. I'm a dad now, right? And I was thinking hypothetically, like let's say one day my son Will does something so stupid and so dumb and is completely in the wrong in so many ways. His mother says this will never happen. But let's say it does. If you were to, through relationship and conversation, lovingly confront and correct him, as a dad, I'm going to hug you and I'm going to say thank you. But if you were to in any way belittle him or make him feel unworthy 
Like, I don't care if he's wrong and you're right. Like, even if you explain to me your thought, like, I'm trying to think of anything you could say that's going to get me to understand why you did that. I'm like, that's my kid. That's my, that's my son. Church, we are advocates of the Imago Day. Amen? It's a big deal. And number three, last one, we are the pursuers of God. We're the pursuers of God, set apart, by the way, from the rest of creation. My dog has the breath of life in her, right? As you speak, a hundred billion creatures catch your breath. That's ruach in Hebrew. But she's not made to pursue God. Church, only we are invited forward to on purpose pursue our creator, and that implies motion, right? It implies 10 years from now, I should be a more Christ-like version of who I am today. Jesus did not save you so you could stay the same, and I want to push and challenge all of us right now. When this whole pandemic season is over, the world will be different, and how wasted will it be? If you're not. So grace and truth right now. It was Chris Hodges who said it was Jesus who was in the form of both grace and truth. Truth without grace is just mean. However, grace without truth is meaningless. But grace and truth together is good medicine. God loves you exactly where you are right now. It's okay to not be okay. It's okay to be stuck. And that's called grace. But church, it's not okay to stay there when Jesus has made a way, and that is called truth. Grace invites you to be free, but it's truth that actually sets you free. So with grace and truth, you know that question people ask, what are your pet peeves? I never really have a good answer. Like, I bite my nails and clear my throat. I feel like I'm a walking pet peeve for people sometimes. But if I had to answer that question, I would say, yeah, I actually do have one. And it's when people stand and text on the moving sidewalk at the airport. Specifically on the left-hand side, when I'm seeing signage and stimuli everywhere, looking down at the sidewalk beneath my feet that says, stand right, walk left, right? Signage in the sky. I'm seeing a stander and a walker. I'm seeing feet together and feet apart. But apparently, it's just a suggestion for some people. Drives me crazy. The worst part about pet peeves, however, is when you become your pet peeve. You find yourself doing what you hate. I caught myself recently at DIA standing and texting on the left side of the moving sidewalk, completely oblivious to the 10 people I was bottlenecking. I was the guy I can't stand. And when you're that guy, you will, without fail, 100% of the time, trip at the end of the sidewalk. What happened? What happened? Oh, oh, welcome to the party. The moving thing that you were not moving on ended. All right, let me push all of us right now, grace and truth, myself included. In your faith, church, are you moving? Or were you just standing on a church that was moving? Are you yourself moving towards God or are you standing and texting on a move of God? 
Sometimes the same truth that offends the flesh is like ice cold water for the soul, man. And for all of us, this pandemic season has been a great revealer of our pursuit of Jesus or lack thereof. And if you find yourself thinking, man, I just, I'm not doing anything. I'm not pursuing. I'm not, I'm stuck. I would say it's not an external pandemic. It is an internal posture, an internal posture that God can flip upside down right now, literally at any moment, because he has so much more for you. And so if you want more, and if you want a fresh start in life, I think all of us need them constantly, which is why God designed the cadence of the universe to have constant fresh starts. You're in the right place at the right time watching the right message because we just read about the very first beginning, but the God of the Bible is the God of constant new beginnings. Church, his mercies aren't just new every morning. Every breath is a second chance with our God. Amen. Deuteronomy 4.29 says, but if from there you seek the Lord your God, you will find him if you seek him with all your heart and all your soul. I love that phrase, but if from there. So I don't know where you are, but I know that, but if from there. I don't know what mistakes you've made. I don't know how many marriages, but I know, but if from there. I don't know the hand you were dealt or how life has been for you in 2020 so far, but I know if from there, if from here you seek God and pursue him with all of your heart, it is his promise to you that you will find him in church. He will change everything about your life. He will. Man, some of us just need a Shania Twain from this moment on kind of moment right now. That's what you need. Because today, like every day, is an in the beginning again kind of day. This is an echo of Eden. And just like Eden, God is in this place. He is in your home. He is in your headphones, in your heart, living, breathing, speaking, and healing. So why on earth are you here? Church, you are here because you are a maker of the future. You are an advocate of the Imago Dei, and you are a pursuer of God, which with each new day that he gives to you, amen? So as his royal masterpiece, as the pinnacle of all of God's creation, may the Lord bless you and keep you, church, and make his face shine upon you and be gracious towards you. May he turn his face towards you and give you peace. As we receive and believe, we agree. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen. Red Rocks Church as one body, as one family in a thousand locations. Let's stand and let's worship.